Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be Oh, welcome back for another episode of the Cobra Cast with the Prez and VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Etdog, VP Etridge. Welcome to the show and welcome, Etdog. Mate, we're uh, we're getting closer to it. Yeah, mate. We're getting closer to the big, big one. But let me just check. You have you're all right now. You've calmed down after we discussed the rule <laughs> changes. You. Oh. You reckon I've calmed down, mate? You were the one that was getting more <laughs> body. You were the one that was getting more fired up. Mate. I only just learnt about it. That's why. So. Oh. But no, I'm 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 as calm as I'm going to be about this, mate. So. Fair but enough, uh, now we're getting getting close to the uh, number ninety. 94, 93? 93, yeah. 93, Jesus. We're getting close, mate. Seven to go to hit the big one zero zero, mate. The the century. We'll be uh, raising our bats just before, um, mate, not long before bloody Christmas and, and Boxing Day. So. Mate, I put the uh, the Christmas lights up out the front of my house on Friday night. So I've got the, uh, the pretty lights up now and I got home. Uh, on Friday night, as I said to you on Monday night, I uh, went out Friday night to one of our base house for a few beers and I got home in the, in the Uber, completely forgot that I put them up. I was like, oh, geez, that looks good. <laughs> so I was actually, I was quite impressed with myself on uh, my, my work and that's about all I do for Christmas. Kelly does the Christmas tree. I don't have time for that. But yeah, no, the, the, the missus and the kids, uh, you know, they try and creep earlier and earlier in the year to. To get the Christmas tree up, I said wait till December because we do have three cats. So, Oof, geez, yeah, um, and one of them's, you know, still pretty young and bloody skitters around the house like a maniac. So, <laughs> uh, Cal, uh, Cal lives off the tradition that you know first of December is when it goes up, and I'm I'm good with that. So I think with the Christmas lights, I try and make up the excuse we should just leave them up all year round. I'm like, there's something in every month that we're celebrating. You know, for, yeah. uh, January you've got, <clears throat> you know, let's go. Sh- uh, Australia Day, I guess. February, you got Valentine's Day. March, you got Labor Day. April, you got Anzac Day. You know, you saw May is my birthday. Yeah, Easter. I'm like, just leave them up all Queen's year. Queen's birthday. birthday, yeah. grand final day. And then you've got all the cobra balls in between. Yeah, man. Plenty of reason to be yeah. having flashing lights going all the time. But before I get on to the cobra ball, uh, we've got we've already got three guests locked in for our uh, special 100th episode. Which I don't think you're actually aware of. <laughs> yeah, nice. So bear trap. We've got the, we've got the bear trap. We've also uh, going to have Jakey Barra Norris, Norris, and uh, Matty Gale from Osaka Dingoes on. Oh, nice, nice. So little... then two boys are going to jump on at the same time. So we're going to have a few few different segments. We'll you know, we'll chat 
to amongst ourselves about our favorite moments. We'll have a quick 20 minute chat with the bear trap. Well, try and keep it 20 minutes. We'll probably try and be like, no, mate, 100 episodes. Uh, I'm taking it from here. Yeah, we might have to get him on at the tail end because he could waffle on for a while. But <laughs> yeah, then we, we, don't got, want, yeah. we don't want to keep the big, the big wig, you know, yeah. Matty Gale and Jakey Norris. Yeah. Uh, Going to try and take up a time and just have a quick chat with um, Jamie. I guess you know, being a hundredth episode, we'd be, be rude not to. Uh, yeah, gotta go, go say good day to him. Go back to where it all all started, mate. We owe a lot to uh, Jamie because if it hadn't been for him reaching out just for a simple singlet. Yeah. Um, this may not have all transpired, but it uh, it has, and it's grown legs, and we've you know we're almost at a hundred because yeah, of it, so. it's not it's nice now that you can actually are you, are you allowed in the room yet to grab our stuff out? Um, yeah, That's well, I, I have grabbed our stuff. Uh, I had to, to uh, hand over the other week, uh, last right. week. So That's what? I've had a few people be like, oh, I thought you go, you send us something. Like, yeah, we just we we to begin with, we weren't allowed to go anywhere near our club rooms for about. Six months. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing when, uh, you know, the, we couldn't go further than 5Ks. And unfortunately, even when it got lifted to 25Ks, I was a K short. I couldn't go to the club, but I was 26Ks away from the club. So Really? Yep. <laughs> you obviously uh, went off Google Maps, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not Google Maps, mate. It's the hot section radius. So you guys effectively have to drive 30Ks. Yeah, yeah. Radius no, within no. 25. Yeah. He's making fucking excuses now, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. I was... Um, I was on the edge. I was pushing it right to 25 just to get to the club, but I couldn't have gone to the Suvlaki joint around the corner to get lunch. So I was like, oh, well, if I can't get a Suvlaki, what's the point? That's a fair call. I don't, don't blame you. <laughs> Makes sense. But um, yeah, so 100th episode, we'll then, yeah, as we said, we're going to do a few things in that little off period with best logos and jumpers and everything like that. And then we'll you know, probably get stuck into back into it. I guess, you know, End of end of January, start of Feb, and I reckon we, we might just scale ourselves back to one episode a week until we, until footy yeah. rolls around, and then when footy rolls around, we'll probably we might uh, we'll obviously do the weekly episode of our recap, and we might depending on sort of where we're sitting with you know because like Oakland's going to be at that bit more of a doing stuff age, and with footy we may you know, it, it definitely won't be once a week for these international ones. It might be once a fortnight or. Uh, once a month until footy season finishes, then we'll kick back into just once a week. But yeah, well, hopefully, mate, if all things are going well, we're playing footy. Everywhere else around the world's playing footy. So we're not got, we're not all not going to have the time to be on here all the time recording this stuff. You know, in an oh, ideal world, everyone's playing footy and yeah. we'll be but, chatting to clubs we've already spoken to yeah. and getting a recap of the games they've had. But we're not going to abandon all these clubs that still want to join us. You know, we'll, we will get around to, but, you know. We want to do our own thing first and you know still reach out and get talking to the international clubs. It just won't be on a as regular basis. And I think when you've uh, pumped out hundred episodes in the space of what since Anzac Day pretty much, so twenty in seven seven months, it's a uh, no, eight months, it's I think you deserve a you know, I think we're we're warranted to just ease back a little bit moving forward. Yeah, yeah definitely, mate. But hey. Speaking of uh, getting to these other clubs, we do have another club to get to. So, uh, Mark, oh, before before we get into it, Mark, we've still got a couple of minutes before we need to get them on. This Saturday, Mike, as long as as long as what happens tomorrow, recording this, gets lifted to ten people in a house, the Cobra Ball fourth, mate, you're going for a three peat. Three peat, yeah, I'm um, going for the the dynasty. Yeah, we've got the uh, 
for people that don't know, we've decided that you and me have the biggest rivalry across the Cobra Bowl because we've played each other every single Cobra Bowl numerous times. We, uh, yep. Cobra Bowl 1, we played each other. Cobra Bowl 2, we'll group together. Cobra Bowl 3, we'll group together. Yeah, Cobra Bowl 4, we're again grouped together and we've played in playoffs a few times. And so we, we do feel like we've got the biggest rivalry. Yeah, and it, well, and it puts any doubt that you fix the, the fixture. You can't question that at all because why would you put yourself purposely in the group that that has the the, the reigning right. double champ? Um, and especially when it's you know, we we've gone back to PlayStation and Xbox, and I happen to fall into the group that the only people that play Xbox are all in the same bloody group. <laughs> yeah, so you made it tough for yourself. No, no, but, but we did we did notice me and Jimmy Morris made the uh, done the done the pull out the hats. And I've pulled you in my group, and Morris was in. Dicko's group. I'm like, if anybody questions that we've rigged this, they've got rocks in the head because we've, we're going to rig it. I'm, going, I'm not playing myself against you. I'd probably put myself, I'd probably put myself against Dicko. I reckon he's beatable. Yeah, well, I've beat him twice in finals. So. Yeah. But uh, we'll have the uh, next week, we won't have the results for you because we're probably going to try and bang out the intros not beforehand because we no chance of how I'm getting up Sunday and uh, do a recording. But Couple weeks later, we'll fill you in on, you know, if he's a three-time winner or yeah. Well, uh, if if I still got the trophy sitting in mid lap, so I reckon I reckon you I reckon you're missing me pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah, she's. But I'm. Just, it's got a permanent spot on the shelf now, so I'm going. I'm a double champ now. I'm trying to be that triple triple champ. That's that's, that's the aim. But um, anyway, mate, Natalia Dockers. This is a good chat. Yeah, mate. Uh, we speak to Ryan for the Nortalia Dockers. Oh, mate. Well, let's head back over to Sweden. Here we go. <laughs> speak to Ryan from the Nortalia Dockers. Don't worry. I'll edit that bit out. Um, and no, enjoy this won't. one. And uh, we'll catch you next week. I'm good. All right. So today we have Ryan joining us from the Nortalia Dockers. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. No, we appreciate you taking the time on your uh, Saturday morning to join us. Um, let's get stuck into it and learn about the Dockers. But first of all, how did you come across uh, footy over in Sweden? Um, really by chance. When, after I moved here, I um, was looking for actually for rugby league. It's what I played growing up and refereed, you know, coming from Western Sydney. It's a heartland of, of rugby league and, um, once I moved over to Sweden, I wanted to kind of keep going and, and there was no rugby league in, in Stockholm. Um, rugby Union has a pretty big foothold in, in the country, especially in Stockholm, um, but it was a little bit too serious. Um, and just by chance, I happened upon a website for the Södermalm Blues a team in Stockholm. And um, I actually wrote them was just before the end of the their season and they were heading into the, the grand final so um i went and watched the the grand final and the year over the off season hooked up with them and, and played with them for yeah, one and a half years before starting our own team yeah nice it's good that you're able to come across and play the better footy over in <laughs> <laughs> took you had to go all the way over to europe to finally get 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 into the better footy, but... Um, exactly. <laughs> that's all right. Um, so how long have you played for now and, and what position do you play? Um, so that first year was, must have been, uh, first year of playing in 2010, I think. 
Um, yeah, I think I found them in 20, in 09 and, and started playing in, in the tens and kind of was just in the beginning, just filled spots off the bench considering I'd never played before. And it also had been quite a few years since I played, um, you know, league. It was just coming off the bench and filling holes and the league was serious enough. It was four teams or five teams at the time. And um, the, I guess we'll get into it a bit later, but the, the top there's a very big gap between the top players and the bottom players and which meant that at times it was very serious and at times not very serious but you know for a guy like me just to jump in you know in the back pocket or in the you know out in the wing or whatever um was was quite easy to learn the game um but after kind of starting the team and moving into um having a get a whole other group of guys that were, you know, less experienced than me, it became more of a play in the middle um, as a centre or, um, yeah, on a nine-a-side field, we're only three in the middle, so, yeah. Yeah, nice. Before we move on from the rugby background that you have, um, I've only just got into the rugby this year myself. I've never, never followed the league, and luckily the year I decided to get into it, the Melbourne Storm win it, so... Good choice. Um, how do you still follow the rugby league? Are you still right into it over there, watching it and stuff? Yeah, mate. I'm a sports nerd. I watch, you know, watch as much as I can all the time. I get um, the constant discussion in my house with my uh, my girlfriend, and um, I have a, an Aussie mate here from um, the Gold Coast, and we always hook up and watch, um, you know, as much sport, Formula One, rugby league, rugby union, AFL, whatever. Um, so I support the Roosters, um, and um, yeah, watch uh, most weekends. I watch every every single game of the NRL and two or three games of the AFL. So um, yeah, still right into it and follow it and play Super Coach and all those things. So. Nice. So that's not where I thought you were going with that, Rifty. I thought when you were waving your hand about, you are going to mention about uh, coming off the bench and filling holes and you know, how you'd call that a utility like yourself. That's where no, I thought no. we were going with that, Rifty. I don't, I don't <laughs> head to the bench. Maybe. I was going to say, you just come off the bench just to clean blokes up and get them in a good tackle here and there. That's you know a bit of the enforcer for the... <laughs> If I if I didn't uh, if I wasn't so so skinny, <laughs> maybe it would have been a, a a better option for me. But um, I like you know the last kind of apart from this year, which has been a quite an interrupted year. The last maybe five or six years or four years at least, I've been playing in the back line, um, and I've really enjoyed that. I think it's a, it's a good way to kind of enjoy the game because you're in the middle. You you don't really have time to think. You just do it, and in the back you can watch it, and um, but you don't get it. You don't get much glory in the back line. So, yeah, that's that's why a dog quickly left the back line and went up forward so he could get all the glory. I didn't quickly leave it. Just so happened when I changed clubs at twelve years old. They're like, oh, he's a big bloke. We'll bring him down full forward. Yeah, that was my plan for this. You know, <laughs> go up front, kick a heap of goals, win their goal kicking or whatever, and get all the glory, and then COVID came. I had exactly the same plans. Yeah. <laughs> Should be covered. Anyway, um, do you have a certain number that you wear or just you're not really fussed on what number? Uh, yeah, well, number six I've um, worn 
uh, I guess kind of coming from from rugby league and following Brad Fittler and you know, maybe you guys don't know, but one of the the better players throughout the years and um, played for the Roosters and, and like went we went to the same high school. Um, obviously, he was a lot earlier than me, um, but uh, yeah. So once I could choose my own number and have that, I've had number six. Yeah, nice. So we always enjoy when we get a some of the backstory to a number. A lot of clubs around the world, it's just, oh, sorry, players we speak around the world, it's like, oh, whatever was in the kit bag. And it's like, oh, that's disappointing. We liked when, you know, people have a, a story behind a number. Yeah, you know, well, I, I like the number thing as well. And and I've tried to drill it into the boys and you know, they'll be proud about the, the number you got on your bag because it should mean something. But, you know, week to week, guys are showing up like, oh, now I'm 17 or now I'm three or now I'm whatever. And <laughs> it irritates me a little bit. <laughs> well, it's some. Um... I, I, you know, I, again, just getting into rugby league, I didn't realise that there were set numbers for set positions. Positions, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's something I'd only just learnt this year myself. So to, mm. you know, I don't, so what's a number six or five eighth or something, is it? Or, five eighth, yeah. yeah. You, you're doing better than me, Rifty. But I thought you are going somewhere else with that. On our last episode, we spoke to uh, the Singapore Sharks. And they were done a, they're more of a junior-based club. They got invited out to Australia to do an kick game. Right. And apparently uh, there was tears in the rooms before the games because kids wanted their numbers and other blokes had taken their number off them and they were getting ushered. You've got to get on the ground. And the kids are like, nah, I need my jumper. I want my number. <laughs> so <laughs> I quite appreciate it. I thought that was, uh, it was nice to see young kids uh, understand what's going on. One thing we have brought in here is um, for our, our trip away, we always have a, you know the worst worst on ground, whatever you call it, for the, the trip away. And um a few years back, that person always had to wear number 27. Um, and that was <laughs> because we, at the time when we came up with it, we were like, hey, who's the worst player in the AFL? And there was a guy called Ty Vickery. Ty Vickery, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, I feel like I've heard this story. Because we just spoke to the guys Maybe from more Port, clubs doing Port Melmo. That's right, yep. And they had the same thing. Yeah. They're now the same thing. Now we've changed it to because you know nobody in Sweden really would get the joke about twenty-seven. So now we've made it zero because you're a a modeler, a zero. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I like it when it's twenty-seven. No, yeah. no it's good. It's changed. <laughs> yeah. I only just, that, I just became year. twenty-seven last year. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So um, so who do you who do you follow in the AFL? Uh, Frio. And that was also kind of, I didn't really have a team um, until I started playing. And, and um, you know, AFL doesn't, when I was growing up, had no um, foothold whatsoever in, in Sydney, in Western Sydney. The Swans were there and, you know, that was, that was still pretty good with when Tony Lockett went and you had the, you know, the guys like O'Loughlin and that were, you know, they were a good team, but there was not much in the papers, not much in the TV. Um, and, you know, no one, especially out in Western Sydney, no one played it. <clears throat> so it wasn't until really I moved over here and started following a little bit that I picked a team. And first it was St Kilda and I suffered through the heartbreak of that double grand final. Um, and and then once we started a team, uh, the Dockers, I thought, well, you know, I can't create a team called the Dockers and support another club. And so change allegiances and been a, a doctor supporter ever since. Yeah, so unfortunately you had you haven't 
you missed out on all the glory days of GWS since you've moved over. Like, well, yeah. glory. And I would like to glory be honest days, if I yeah. um, lived there still, I probably would have, you know, signed up for a member and 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 been there because they they do a lot of community work, which I think is fantastic um, as a any type of sports club, and that's something that I can agree on. So it's um, <clears throat> a bit of a shame, but they're you know they're in the kind of top three. <laughs> they're up there yeah well um something we've learned through chatting to a lot of clubs around the world that have ties to the giants that uh the giants have helped out a lot of different clubs around the world with kits and stuff like that so you know a couple of years well even last year we would have been taking the piss out of them and you know getting smashed in the grand final things but now we've got a, a lot more respect for what they do as a club and uh, yeah, the same thing here, mate. They, they helped us, the Stockholm women's team um, with their first kit and when they started two years ago. So, um, and they, you know, it wasn't even a question about how they could help us. It's like, you know, or if they would help us, how can we help? Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of clubs in Europe that have received a lot of help from, from GWS. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's well, it's awesome. And it gives us a different respect for the club because, we just see them as supporters of other clubs as just a place to pinch players from. So now, now we can see them as something different, but uh, yeah. who's been your favorite player of all time? Um, I don't know. I've, I don't know. Considering I've only kind of followed it in the last 10 years. Um, haven't really been attached you've had that generation shift maybe five years ago whether those older more established players all kind of retired and then these new guys coming through that are building their careers you know back then it was like you know buddy franklin coming through and he's going to be the next big thing and, and kind of nat fife and those guys and then the the ablets and the whatever you know they're and i, I have hard um, i can't pick one one player i like different players they're different qualities and even some of the guys, you know, that play down the back and don't get the the glory. I still think they're, you know, excellent players. And um, but if you know, in the in the grand final, I thought I was rooting for for Hawkins to to you know step up. And I thought I think he's a fantastic player and the way that he kind of rucks down forward in the when the ball's down there and he's so strong in a contest. And I don't I don't like to like him, but I think he's a fantastic player. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many, so many. Um, um, Lockie Neal, fantastic. You know, even though he, when he was at Frio, he was one of them, probably one of the best players. I think sometimes he's even better than Fife the way he played. Yeah, and man, um, had had to get a full. They had had a full season. He probably would have had a record number of votes this year in the Brownlow. He mm. did it had an exceptional year. Mm. Um, it's a shame it wasn't for your Dockers, but oh well. Uh, I'll tell you what, one of my favourite clips is that Pav versus, um, was it Gardner or someone? They just started swinging punches at each other. Yeah, in the derby. <laughs> Man, I just watched that the other day. It's freaking hilarious. This Gardner is like freaking this much taller. I mean, just for some unknown reason, just starts swinging at his head. It was, it's hilarious. And it, it's a shame we can't see that happening more often these days, I reckon, because <laughs> I was very really pissed Sometimes um, it needs to be done. Feels like, yeah, yeah. sure the game up. 
All right, so uh, what about the Dockers over there? When when was the club first founded and why did you choose the Dockers? Um, so we're a, a harbour city and um, we kind of, when we started the club, we we had the idea, it was me and a few other mates that I was the only one to play, but a few guys would be down in Australia travelling and <clears throat> um, we, you know, I wanted to get them involved. They were a bit hesitant about going into Stockholm or whatever. And so, so we want me to start a team and see what happens. And, you know, worst case, we just show up and kick some footy around in the park. Like, you know, and the best case, we have a team, we play footy. I'm like, okay. So we, it was, you know, the end of uh, 2011 and we ended up, we said, oh, we'll have a, a meeting at a pub. And uh, a mate of mine knew the owner. So we opened it up on a, on a Monday night, normally it would be closed, you know, in the middle of winter in this sleepy town, summer town, it's uh, not much going on. So I opened the pub up and we ended up getting like 22 guys come to the information night and sign up to play. So we, we were like, oh, shit, we got a team already. Um, and the idea was that we would, you know, train for ourselves <clears throat> here in Nortelia. We, we're about an hour north of Stockholm and then, um, and then we'd, kind of split the guys up in the, the Stockholm teams to play for the first year to get a bit of experience. And um, when we, we kind of sat down with the guys, the 22 guys after a few sessions and we said, okay, well, this is the plan. And, and they were like, well, we don't want to play for another team. We want to play for Nortelia. Um, so we said, okay, well, we'll enter a team straight away. We need to figure it out. What are we going to be called? What are, we, what are the colours? And um, so we put a few different... Uh, ideas up to the to the group and it was the dockers and you know explained that the Frio dockers in the, the harbour city and and um you know the fishermen whatever and that we have here and we used to have and um if we had a few other different things which I can't really remember now but the dockers won with a quite a vast majority and um and then the the colours the black and red and white we've um that was my little St Kilda <laughs> um, kind of thing coming through there. I'd, we put up a few different variations for the for the group to choose, and and that one was kind of the most striking, I think. So, so they chose, or we chose that, and then a little bit of a a few other teams in the area will have you know that the red and the white and the black within their colours. So, yeah, nice. Support when teams. when you said you were from West Sydney, I was looking at the colours of the. Uh, the club going on oh, maybe there's a bit of a you know homage to the western sydney wanderers being the red and black and being from west mm -hmm. sydney so it's a little bit of home and then when you said you have gone for st kilda i was like okay no nah, it's definitely coming from the uh <laughs> the st kilda yeah. but um yeah so your logo is a very unique logo and i quite like it we, we always love when we come across clubs that their logos are You've got the Dockers, which some clubs have as it is, but it's different to the AFL logo. How did you guys come up with the idea for your logo and your jumpers? Your jumpers, are like, obviously, is very similar to your logo, but it's, they're fantastic. So we've, we've been through two iterations of our logo um, and three iterations of our jumper design. So if I talk about the first one a little bit quickly, we, um, we were, the, the anchor is a... a um, the I guess the coat of arms or whatever you call it for for this city in Nortelia. So and it's an upside down anchor, meaning that um, you know if you have an upside down anchor on a boat, it means it's not in the water, which means you're on the move. You're always on the move. 
that's what represents the city and that's we thought it's you know it's a good a good representation for us so the upside down anchor and then we we play a little bit around with what we wanted to <clears throat> kind of what more we wanted to do there and, and you know we just did it ourselves we couldn't pay anyone to design it properly and we just found a shield on the internet and filled in a few colors and a, a good font on word that we thought was cool um and that was the start and and we also wanted the anchor to feature prominently on the on the very first jerseys which was a big big white upside down anchor and on a black jersey and red trim and um and you know that was that was us and and we had those jerseys for quite a while and then we started to get some new sponsors and we said oh let's maybe have a look at what else can we do to make it a bit different and we then we went over to the red v on a black jersey um and, and kept the same logo and, and that was um you know just something different to to keep the i guess the, the forward moving um feeling and then <clears throat> over uh, i think it was towards the end of last year we said okay it's time for a revamp of the logo because it's not a wasn't a digitally um friendly logo it was very hard to work with in, in the digital environment and with marketing and, and printing was the colors were hard a lot of gray and yeah and so we put actually a, a um competition on uh, big footy uh for a you know designer to come up with a, a new logo and that's where we we got this new one from um, where i think we had just like 15 or 20 different people um put their logo forward and, and this is one we ended up with and and um and then the same same person did the logo we said do you want to have a shot at, at doing some jerseys as well and and um yeah so that's kind of where that came from and we ended up painting with some merchandise and and some stuff and that was that's how how it happened just yeah so the idea is kind of every every couple of years when we get some new sponsors we'll we'll redo our jerseys and make it a bit different to how it was last time just to make it fun and people can buy the legacy jerseys to help finance the club or finance new the new kit yeah that, that's awesome so i was just Hold gonna put yeah, i was just gonna say there's something useful that came out of book big footy that's amazing like <laughs> thought, for us that's it's the only place you go to talk shit about other clubs and <laughs> spread rumors like well, i think quite a few of the overseas clubs use that kind of that forum for for logos and jersey designs they're obviously they're that's obviously fantastic. in forums we're not saying yeah yeah we've got to go to a different part of big footy because yeah. all i've seen yeah. is, is rumors and to, yeah. to, be, to be fair to us over rifty we only had the big footy where we're being told hey boys you might want to just check this out and see what they're saying and it's like and even then i don't i don't, I don't feel comfortable going to it it's like oh you yeah. know cookie's gonna say i've been on big footy on these these shit threads but it's, it's fantastic big footy helped you out but looking at your um your older jumpers the uh the v1 it sort of looks a bit like a Fremantle's Dockers yep. jumper. So I yep. think that's a pretty cool, um, nice little connection there. The Dockers, you sort of made it look like the, uh, the Fremantle Docker. But yeah, that new logo and your new jumper, I, uh, I'm, I'm a massive fan of. And Rifty knows my affatuation with jumpers. And I think it's an absolute... It probably helps us red and black as well, it's I guess. It's got the right colours for you. Yeah, yeah that also helps. Mate, I reckon no. Essendon should get the 
get their same designer on board to do a one of your clash jumpers or something because they've had some pretty shitty clash jumpers the last couple of years Essendon. So oh, I don't think we've had a good one. Maybe they should get on big footy and get <laughs> get, get a competition going. They might get a Let's be better honest. design. Anything would be better than the grey one we wore. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who was the uh, the club's first game against, and how did you guys go? Um. It's a long time ago, and we, I know we, we played a, um, a trial match um, on a just a, a warm up field for the rugby um, in Stockholm against Sodomon, so my old team. Um, and that was a, it's, you know, it wasn't a competition game, but it was the first game we pulled on the jersey as a team and we, we went and played. And um, it was, yeah, I think the field was maybe 90 metres long and there was no, was cones to mark the sidelines and um, rugby posts. And But, you know, for us, it was finally we're here and we'd, we'd run on the team as a, uh, running on the field as a team. And, um, you know, we were, the jerseys on, we had to borrow a, a set of jerseys that were lying around because ours hadn't come yet. And um, <clears throat> uh, we got totally demolished um we you know we we'd trained maybe from february indoors until the game we had in, in you know the middle of april and we'd probably had two or three outdoor sessions that we hadn't learned to tackle or be tackled um we're just trying to teach the boys to kick and not throw the ball so um it was a it was an exciting game and it was good fun. And, you know, we, we did a lot of great things, um, but we also got thoroughly <laughs> beaten. <laughs> and that was kind of the flavour for the first first few years. And the first year of competition, we won one game, the very last game of the season. Um, and But every other game, we were beaten by over 100 points. And, um, you know, luckily, the, the guys that had started the Stockholm League in the previous years, they'd gotten a bit older and kind of um, were on their way out, but still very good footballers. And and um, so we, we recruited a few of them to help us out, you know, during the season, just with a bit of um, leadership and guidance and a cool head on the field. So that all kind of culminated to the last game of the season where where we ended up winning. Um, and, you know, that, that win just made everything, that whole season just was the best thing and and you know, all the boys that were there were like we're now we're doing it again because you know that one win was so good um and it was also you know we have we have that that game on on um on film as well so you know i sometimes we go back and watch some highlights of that because it's just uh to compare to how we play today and and just uh, fun to watch yeah that's nice nice that you get to have that little memento and to be able to mm watch back that first big win. Um, But you've also started up a women's team. So how did that come about? Um, So I guess like you guys know, the the women's game has exploded all over the world in the last few years. And um, we have constantly had constantly girls um, coming to training and asking, you know, is there a team or, um, just just being interested about about the game and and it's always been difficult to start a team because you don't have another team to play against. Um, you know, you have the team down in Malmo that have been there for quite a while and 
And then the Danish girls had also a team or two for quite a while, but it's a quite a long distance to travel. So it's always been kind of, we will try and get it going and it never happens. You don't have enough people and there's no one to play against. And, but um, with the starting of the, the Stockholm Giants um, women's team, we said, well, now it's a great opportunity to call all those girls back here in Nortelia and, and get the team going. And now we have, you know, two teams in, in the Stockholm region. So um, it's a lot of the girls are either sisters to, to the guys or, or girlfriends or, or close friends, you know, that, that have been down and seen, seen us play and, and said, oh, I can do that. And, and of course, they can. You know, they're fantastic. Our team is, is gone in leaps and bounds the, the last kind of two years, just coming from showing up at training and, and not really knowing much about the game. <clears throat> um, I, I would, you know, say that they've progressed on a faster curve than what the men did, you know, back in 2012. Yeah, they're probably more willing to learn. Blokes are a bit more stubborn in their ways, aren't we? We sort of yeah. get set in our ways, but I think the girls are a bit more open and... Yeah, it's they, they, say, they the, learn quicker than us, don't they? They like to say, yeah, because the skills thing is the difference. I think like you could tell a guy if he, you know if he's not kicking properly, I'll try this, and then he'll do it once, and then he'll revert back to what he was always doing. Whereas the girls will really take the the um, comments on board and like, okay, well, I see now that the kick went better this way, so now I'll do this every time instead, and just. You know, for them it goes a lot quicker. But yeah, it's it's fantastic to see the the club in general grow and and you know the both teams training with each other and we have in internal mixed matches with the men and women all the time and you know they're not they're not scared to put a put a hit on our guys and our guys aren't scared to tackle them. So it's it's really good for our club. Yeah, that's great. So back to that thing that you mentioned about uh you know, you'll tell a guy what to do and they'll do it once and revert back and the females will actually go, okay, let's keep doing that. I think last weekend, because obviously Melbourne were allowed to go within 25K, so we, we caught up with our, my wife's family out of the park somewhere and I was, she's got two, two nephews that are 11 and a niece that's five. The nephews are out in the footy ground having a kick of the footy and I, I've put my beer down and I've gone, no, I can't have, I can't watch young kids kick a footy like this. It was just, Literally just drop the ball however you want to drop it. So I've walked out there. I'm like, you've got to hold it this way and do this. And then, so they've done it. They've done it yeah, done it like once, maybe twice. And then just, it was too hard. So going back to just literally throwing in the air and dropping it. Her little niece has come out and she's like, oh, can you teach me how to kick it? I'm like, yep, no drama. So I showed her the same way. Half an hour later, she's already, she's done a few times, gone off, playing in the park, come back, and then back to doing it how I showed her to do it. Where... The young, the young fellas are just like, nah, kicking it this way goes further now. So I'm just going to keep doing it that way. But she was, yeah, by herself, just, you know, holding it the right way and dropping. And I'm like, yeah. so when you said that, uh, yeah, blokes will sit there and do it once and then, nah, that's hard enough. I was like, yeah, that's actually very true. <laughs> and it starts at a very, very young age. I think it's a little bit as well to do with, you know, we try, when, when we get a, a new person in, the club you know they're they're often over 20 years old and they've maybe never even held an AFL ball before so you're trying to give them so much information at the start so they can at least understand what why they're there and then to get them to do the kick um, and understand why they have to kick it that way 
it's just too much. It's like an information overload. They're just like, I just, I know that I have to kick it from this point to that point. They're not thinking about how the other guy has to catch it or was putting it out in front or, or you know, not putting it up in the air so the tackler can come in under. And <clears throat> it's just too difficult to explain all that in one go. It's like, we'll just do what I say, hold it this way, and then I'll tell you why you know, next week. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's exactly right because, you know, the wife's nephew was like, oh, one of his questions, do you want height or do you want distance? I'm like, well, you want distance on your kick. Who cares how height goes? You want your distance mm. on your kick. But it's one thing that I've always, I find intriguing is, when you say, you say a boy comes into a club, he's already over 20. Like, how do you, like, I've always found it fascinating to, how you teach people this ridiculously strange game when they're already 20 years old. You know, we grew up with it. So we, it's just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. you know I remember sitting there one day trying to explain the game to a, I think a New Zealander when I was in New Zealand. And I'm trying to explain it to him. I'm like, you know what, mate, I, I'm, I can't. It's actually too hard to explain to you. <laughs> like, yeah, and it is difficult. And, and one of the kind of the hardest things about about teaching it is that they have no concept of the game. Like they don't, even the guys that have been playing for five or six years, they don't watch the game. They don't enjoy watching it. It may be except for a final or whatever, but that they're not sitting there every week and looking at games. So <clears throat> they're doing it because they enjoy playing it. And it's quite a different thing. Um, and so we try to tap into, okay, well, what is what is it that's bringing you here? Is it the athleticism or is it the kicking or is it the tackling or, or, and we try and pick up those things straight away for at least the first, maybe one or two weeks to say, okay, well, if this is what you enjoy doing, then we'll give you that opportunity to do that really good at the beginning. So you kind of get attached a little bit and then we'll um, teach you the rest. And, yeah, like the biggest thing that I've learned over the past is, yeah, just don't overload information. And, and we try and get guys to to play a game as quickly as possible, you know. And a lot of a lot of the guys, the way this kind of sport's set up in Sweden, it's a lot of training before games. And if, you know, if you play um, football, association football, soccer, um, even down the lower divisions, it's like if you don't go and train, you don't play. And if you don't, train for a long time and and be a part of you know you don't play whereas we're the opposite like play first and then come and train because you learn so much more just by being on the field and watching everyone else do what they're doing and being forced to pick the ball up being forced to kick it downfield or make a tackle rather than me trying to teach you about why to do it on a training field it's better that you just you learn yourself you know you and as an adult you, you have a, that kind of um brain function is much easier to just pick it up on the go rather than as a child where where you need to learn the the kind of the basics from the beginning so but it's so individual you know some guys will come and you know maybe they've had a bit of background in in rugby or they've seen rugby on tv and and then they know how to tackle so okay now we just need to teach you to not throw the ball hand passing is there and not very different not to lay on them once you've tackled them to the ground and squish, push their head into the ground and things yeah. like that. Mate, the first, the first year, you know, a lot of guys um, from other teams, especially the first few games, um, they didn't know that, you know, that we were so unexperienced, wanted to fight our guys because we were giving away free kicks left, right and centre because our guys didn't know. They didn't know you couldn't tackle in the back or couldn't, 
trip a guy or tackle around the head or like you know they're just like this game's got no rules we can do whatever we want <laughs> even though that now i've been trying to teach them and, you know our guys were were about to get punched on you know in, in every single game because the opposition had no idea that we were we just didn't know um that you couldn't do those things and and it's difficult so you want it to be as safe as possible for, for everybody um but you also want to give them a chance to make the mistakes so they know, okay, well, that's what I'm not doing that or that's why I shouldn't do that. Um, but it's, yeah, it was a lot of free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it's, there's that balance there too, like being that they don't watch football, they're not getting that sort of exposure to it. But at the same time, the rules bloody and interpretations of the rules change every week in the AFL. So what's a free kick one week may not be a free kick next week. So you sort of, at least next, they're not next week, mean the next game. Yeah. <laughs> they're not sort of next let, quarter. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, totally, definitely true. And, um, and I think as well, because we're, we haven't grown up with the game, we're not locked into the old traditions about how you should do things. Um, you know, by, when we started the team, I'd only played myself for a year and a half and you know, never really followed it. So I had no idea how to how to coach AFL. But I just kind of figured it out. I said, okay, well, what, what do we need to do in the game we play here in Sweden to be able to win? Okay, we're going to do this thing and this thing. Well, then I'll teach the guys how to get there. And, it, you know, it's probably a totally different way to do it if you would play, you know, in a, a division back in, in Australia or anywhere in the country. Um because you know, the opposition is different and the, the players you have are different. So um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, both both a blessing and, a, I guess, a um, hindrance that you, if you haven't grown up with a week, don't watch it. Well, I watch it, but the other guys don't. Yeah, and also being that it is nine-a-side as well, you're not sort of stuck in an 18-a-side mentality that's, you know, you can't. it doesn't always work where we have spoken to quite a few clubs where, um, coaches and things have have a you know they've come from always playing 18 aside and their sort of way they want to play the game is very 18 aside um, mm. mindset where it doesn't quite work the same because it is a, you know a bit quicker it is sort of back and forwards a bit quicker so um, yeah and you get that with with all the Aussies that come over that have played the game in Australia and and this is not just in Sweden but in most of the European countries and they come and play nine aside or see will be a part of how the game's played here and and have trouble kind of not fitting in but adjusting to the, the style of play or thinking we sh- you can't do this because this is not what you do back home and it's 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 un- it's funny and it's interesting and it's it's good to have that discussion it's like oh that's really good and that works there here this is what works because of these reasons and and it's good that you have that that experience coming over and you can still still develop and, and get better just in kind of a little bit different direction to what was happening back in Australia. Yeah, it's a, some we've learned a fair bit about the Niner-side game uh, throughout mm. our travels and, um, you know, some of the countries that have adjusted to it well, like some of the Irish guys and stuff, you know, mm. being some of the Gaelic sort of skills work well with that Niner-side style of game and um yeah, some of us Aussies are probably a bit too. Yeah, when you've always played eighteen aside and you don't know anything else, mate. We yeah. we mention it to our players that we might play some nine aside games if we're still in restrictions, and they're like, "We're not playing that shit. That's not real football." Um, but 
if that's all you could play, that's you know you got to be grateful for what you can play, and that. That's it. And even well, some some teams are going down to seven aside um, in regions where they don't don't have enough players, um, and it's making the field a bit a bit even smaller. And you know it works for them, and they're still you know kicking the their Sharon through goalposts. So in the end, it's the same same similar game, same outcome. That's it. You kick them through the goalposts, you still get six points. So. Exactly. Ed Dog would still count all them goals as goals. Oh, shit, uh... shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the goals I kick on a Sunday morning by myself, I count towards my career tally, mate. We talking about <laughs> warm up. <laughs> um, but so you guys actually play in the Swedish league, where we've spoken to a couple of other Swedish teams that actually play in the Danish league. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many teams are in the Swedish <clears throat> league, and how do your finals work for that league? So it's, it's actually the, the Stockholm League is is the league that we're playing, and um, yeah, that's my fault, Rifty. Sorry, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it is like we have throughout the years had a few different. We had a Swedish national competition. We had, um, and then we also have the Swedish Cup, and so there are quite a few different things. But the main league we play in for Nortelia is is the Stockholm League, the SAF, and at the moment we're four clubs, um, and. Um, the last few years, it's been kind of a, a nine-round um, season with two finals, so a, a, a prelim and a, a grand final. So if, you, if you're first on the ladder, you go straight to the grand final and two and three playoff for the spot in the GF. And um, So you play each, each um, opponent three times. Um, and considering like we have one ground in Stockholm that the three Stockholm teams play out of and then our ground in Nortelia. So we play a few more away games than home games for the season, but, um, you know, our, we don't mind, we don't mind traveling the hour and we have a good group that likes, that doesn't mind traveling. The Stockholm is a little bit more, um, harder to, to get out of the city. So for us, it doesn't matter. But throughout the years, we've had, you know, a few other teams that have come and gone, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, the the men's football in general in Europe is kind of on a decline. So if teams are, um, have folded, but it's part and parcel of the generation shift. And if you're not, you know, really onto recruitment, then it, it dies out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's 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 sad that you know some clubs are starting to fold away. So you mentioned AFL Europe. I was going to bring this up later, but I'm going to might as well touch base with it now. So you were actually a commissioner for AFL Europe. How did you come across getting that role? Because we spoke with um, Ollie and Dan Jackson mm. oh, a couple months ago now mm. about their role and what they do. So how did you fall into that? Do you commission and like what is your role in um, title? So I was the president of AFL Sweden for a few years and had kind of regular contact with, with AFL Europe. Um, and they redid the commission um, set up a few years back and, and um, introduced community-based members. So there's three, three of us that are, you know, players, club members, whatever you want to call it, that, um, in the community. Um, and so there's three different regions. There's the Europe West, Central and Northern. And um, as with the other commission members, there's a, a kind of a mandate period where you, you sit and you kind of can't sit any more than that. So there was a guy that 
um, Morton that was in uh, in Denmark that was um, the community commissioner before May for the northern region <clears throat> and um, when it was time for him to to pass on the, the role um, I kind of just did a bit of a shout out and a chat around you know who's who could take over the role who wants to take over the role and I put my hand up and and then the, the community voted me in at a general assembly so yeah. Yeah, nice. It's um as I've mentioned I've mentioned a few times, we get people on this chat and you know, we we wrap it up and then all of a sudden we find out they're you know actually presidents of the country league or they're involved at AFL Europe. And I've said to people like, you know, in Australia, if you're involved in, you know, a commission for AFL, you know, an AFL mm-hmm. league in Australia, and Australia would be telling you, they'd be sitting there going, mate, I, I know this guy, I'm part of this league, but people from overseas it's almost like that's secondary. It's all about their club first. And if it doesn't get mentioned, it doesn't come up. And I find it, you know, Australians like to, you know, people in Australia would like to tell you they're doing it. But overseas, it's more about, yeah, I do it, but it's not a massive deal to me. It's just what I have to do for the game overseas, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the kind of, it's a little bit with the structure about how footy is um, in everywhere kind of outside of Australia where, where it is in the largest part volunteer work. So if you're volunteering for something, obviously that whatever's closest to your heart is going to get the most time and, and mean the most. And that's why, um, you know, we we identify that at AFL Europe. We know that the, the people are going to put their most effort in for their clubs and not for maybe not their region or their country or, or for Europe in general. And that's fine. That's great because that's what, you know, our our goal is to, to help individuals play the game and, and, you know, whatever they want to do. It's not, we don't have an agenda from AFL Europe. This is what we want to do. It's like, we're here for, for the members. So if, you know, that's, if that's what they want, then that's our job to, to promote that and develop it and nurture it. And, and yeah, in the first part, I even just identifying it. Um, that, and then it's kind of to make them a little bit more uncomfortable is we, we, um, you know, we look a little bit further down the line and say, okay, well, you know, in five years, we, we don't want to be just resting on our haunches. We want to, this is where we want to be to make sure that you can still have that luxury at your, at your club level. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough as well. So while we're with uh, talking about you know, AFL Europe in as a whole, uh, last, se- last year, Natalia actually hosted the uh, 2019 Euros. What? Was that like that? Must have been fantastic for um, you know this club that you started, you know, almost a decade ago, and now the city's hosting possibly the biggest tournament in Europe. Yeah, um, it was amazing, and um, you know, all from the outset when we decided that we would uh, apply for it, and and going through, and you know, even the morning of the the competition, still putting posts in the ground, um, you know that. That one now the Swedish team captain also you know from Nortelia that he had been out in the forest and cut down trees, you know the week week <laughs> earlier. That, oh. Before before you jumped on, we were sitting here and we're like, he's like, they've come up somewhere from yeah. We spoke to Eoko, we've spoken to Port Melbourne. It's like no, the name the Tal has come up somewhere. Where has it come up? I'm like, I don't know. He's like. We with Dolph. I'm like, why would Dolph <laughs> in <laughs> Netherlands speak about bloody yeah. this? And as soon as you've started saying in the forest, mm. his his mind's ticked over. 
Yeah. I think it was AFL Europe. I think when we spoke to Dan and Ollie, that came up as well. Yeah, no, it got um, it got quite a big traction. I think they even made it put it on the AFL website uh, an article about it. Um, uh, it was you know because we we have um, our field that we play on, which has proper posts, and then we have a, a field in Stockholm with proper posts, and you know, we looked at different options. We needed to have five fields. Okay, well, how do we how do we sort the situation out? And we've had a few other tournaments here. We've we've had to have two fields, and we've just you know taken um, like a PVC piping and put it around a a, um, a stake. You know, and it's it's all right. It stands, and it's, but it's a little bit wobbly at the top. And if it's a really windy day, which it can be sometimes here on the coast, that you know, you're in trouble. So <clears throat> we said, oh, we need, a, we need it properly. If, you know, if we haven't 450 Europeans coming here to play and um, making a journey, then we need to do it properly. And, <clears throat> and you know, they're just uh, was the week or two weeks before the tournament and, and Buster's like, I've got an idea. I was out in the forest um, the other day and I seen these beautiful trees. Like he's, that's what he does a little bit for work. So He's like, I reckon we can do them making posts. So, yeah, do it. Why not? So he cut down like, um, we have four, I think he ended up cutting like 45 or something trees and bringing them all in. And then we had like a bit of a workshop with all the boys and, um, you know, we took the bark off and chose the straightest ones and made some some stirrups to put them into the ground and <clears throat> on the main field and, and then on the back fields we – we dug holes with a with a big drill to to put them in, and yeah, it was fantastic. And you know, they were they were really good, and a lot of comments from all the teams. <laughs> I think. The, the, no, go ahead, sorry. No, so I was going to say the tournament itself was was fantastic, and you know, the we um tried to really make it a about this the city of Nortelli. You know, we tried to get as many people. We're not a massive city like there's maybe 18,000 that live in, in Nortelia City and then in the municipality with maybe 60,000. Um, but the largest the largest kind of area um, or municipality of the Stockholm state, so um, but very little um, population. So we really tried to get the whole, whole city around the tournament and um, <clears throat> used all the local... Um, film crew to to live stream the games, um, local sponsors to deliver the food, um, just as much local, local, local as possible. Um, just to, to kind of that's what that's what we wanted to do, and that's kind of how we sold it in. And and in the end, it worked out, you know, really well. And we had everybody volunteers around helping out, and um, and it was, you know. To, to most of the people that were there, it's, it was the best one we've had. Um, so, and I mean, it's easy to say that it normally is every year. It's always the best one. It's always the best one. But, but I'm hanging on to that. No, well, that's definitely like now that you've said the goalpost, I always said that's, yeah, it's come up a couple of times and I couldn't place why Natalia had come up, but um, it's come up as, as, you know, I'm being sure one of the best, you know. I'm pretty sure that story got mentioned. It was uh, what they say. He he treated the uh, the trees like his children. He had to pick the right the, the right ones and. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing the lengths you go. Like you can go to is to make sure that things are done 
prop. And, and I, when we heard that story, I felt that actually um, you know, brought a lot of, you know, you said you'd done it for Tali, you, know, you wanted to make it about we, the city and the community and whatnot. And when I heard that story, we, I think we were only just really starting this. We were quite early days. And that was sort of when you realised, you know, shit, these people do almost anything they need to do to be able to play a game of footy. Mm. No, it is, mate. And, and you see it all over the continent with just when we have our, you know, meetings and, whatever, and someone's like, oh, we had this problem and we solved it this way. And I was like, wow. Okay, first of all, that problem even exists and you overcame it. And then that you did it, you know, with no resources and no real kind of um, <laughs> anything. And it's just, you just so you can kick your leather ball around for a little bit. Like, it's it's amazing. But like we've, we've spoken about a lot in, in AFL Europe, and especially through, through COVID now, that um, the AFL is so much more than, than the game. Like, it's um, in Europe, it's, you know, if you move to a new country and you, you don't know anybody, you can go down to the footy club and, and all of a sudden you've got 30 new friends. Um, if you're you know, down on your luck with work, you know, you've got a whole group network to help you out if you need somewhere to stay or if you're, you know, whatever. It's, it's family and, and for, for people, for expats in particular, but even, even locals that, that, you know, a little bit outside. Our team here in Otelli was built on guys that, that couldn't play any other sport, that were shit at soccer, shit at handball, couldn't play hockey. It was like, come and play AFL. And, you know, like, we weren't good, but we, we had our family. We drank heaps of beers and played in the, like, in the snow and, and just did stupid shit together. And it was, it was really fun. And, and that's kind of the culture of, of our club and, and most of the clubs. It's just a, a big family, a big social gathering, way to help each other out. And then sometimes on the weekend you play, you play a bit of sport. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's some we've been quite envious of just learning about all these different clubs, especially over in Europe that have that kind of attitude where, um, you know, it's, it is about the community of the club and it's not just about the games and, you know, us being in a league where players are moving from clubs because they're going to get more money at another club and they're going to, you know, and you don't have any of those issues there because nobody's doing it for money. Nobody's doing it, you know, to win a flag year in, year out. They're doing it because they love their clubs and, you know, and it gives them a chance to join a community and play a sport that's not as serious as the soccers and things like that over there. Just on that rift, do you remember the first time, it was early days, where we told somebody that players got paid in Victoria? Oh, yeah. He said, you can get paid to play this. <laughs> yeah, he was... We said to him, I think it was off recording. I don't know if we were recording it. And we mentioned, you know, blokes would go here to get paid. And he's looking at his face was like, wait, you, people get paid to play local, like local footy? He's like, yeah. And like, it was just, he was, his mind was blown. And we were just like, we wish that was the the normal because we are very much, you know, we don't think the amount of money getting thrown around in Victoria should be what it is. But yeah, we think it's, you know, it's something I've definitely, since doing this podcast, um, I, I felt like we t- I took for granted what we had in Victoria far too much. You know, club rooms, goalposts supplied by an actual goalpost company, not need to be cut down trees mm. in the woods. Mm. And then when we started to do this, and you know, you find out clubs were playing on you know open fields that had rocks on them, they'd have to clean up dog shit and 
there'd be no change rooms. And it was like, all of a sudden, we'll get back to training after COVID, but you can't use your change rooms. And me and Rifty were just like, yeah, sweet, no dramas, no other blokes are like, oh, what do you mean we can't use our change rooms? And it's just like, you've got a good, you've actually got a ground that is actually fenced off. Like that is more than 70% of the clubs in the world have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it gives you a lot of perspective. And you know, that's we, the word I was looking for. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. find the word. <laughs> we have a really you know, great community behind us. And, you know, we've, we've never had to really try hard to get sponsorship. And we have the right people in the right places. And we're, we're a lucky club. And, and because we're, you know, a relatively small city where people know each other, it's, e- it's easier to recruit than other places but at the same time we're not um kind of complacent about it we we try and help as many people you know we last year we traveled to Tallinn to play a tournament with um the teams from from russia and finland to try and get the game going in in estonia um it's because you know that's for it's good for us in in the long run if there's a another country playing footy um we, you know, in Oslo that they've struggled through the years of getting a competition going. So we we're always inviting them to tournaments so they can get some gameplay and, um, <clears throat> you know, sending players across the country to play games just to help out. And that's because we know that it's it means so much more and we have the opportunity to do it. So yeah, it's uh, but if we if we encountered a fraction of the the difficulties that they do over in Europe, we footy would never get played, mate. I remember <laughs> once we came to our ground and one of our posts was missing. Someone had cut our post in half, and people were like, "Oh, we're going to have to call the game off. There's nothing we can do." Like, what the hell was this? Oh, this is years ago. <laughs> Someone went and bought PVC pipe and put it on the post and whatever. But imagine if we had to go cut down a tree and bloody put it up <laughs> to do that. It just wouldn't happen. It'd just be all right. Game's off. <laughs> to be to be fair, the amount of paperwork you need to sign to be able to go out and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this isn't in my. This isn't covered by insurance. Just so you're aware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right. We need to learn about the social side because you. Yeah. What's what's the sort of social side like? Do you have any um, big functions or anything like that with the group? Yeah. So we we try um. I learned early from from the Sertamalm club that I started playing with that the social aspect of, of footy here in Sweden is probably the most important thing to keeping the the club together, especially since the winter is so long. Um, so we um, we get away. Last years we've had Champions League um, in, in around around April. It's been in Amsterdam, so that's a, you know, a club trip. We we travel there, and then we have our um, our Dockers on tour, um, where we we try and travel two or three places in the country, whether it's Ekwe or Malmo or Gothenburg or whatever, to to play um, every year, and then and then a, a trip away at the end of the year, just either to play footy or just to have a bit of a party. Um, the biggest kind of thing on the calendar is our our presentation evening. Um, where it's kind of just got bigger and bigger every year. This year we, we almost had it. Um, they brought in new new recommendations um, two days before we were supposed to have our awards night this year. So we had to call it off in the end. But um, <clears throat> last year we had 100, 100 guests, including the players, um, 
and yeah, so that's that's the biggest evening for our club. And but you know, throughout the winter, we, when we train, we train on Friday nights in the winter indoors, and we have a sauna and beers after every training session. Um, throughout the the month of July, where most people are on holidays, we we pause the normal training of you know Tuesday Thursday training, and we just do one night. We call it the summer series. And um, at the start of July, we we divide all the players up into two teams and play like a mixed game, even with the kids. Um, they're, they're involved as well. And then after every game, we have a barbecue, um, which the club pays for. So, um, yeah, we try and just make as much as we can of just a, a daily kind of doing to the club as social as possible. Is that, that's what? another thing. That hold on, when he said they do winter training indoors and then they go have a sauna and beer, mate, talking at dog's language right there, just <laughs> half a training session and then go sit in a sauna and drink beers. Like, I, I don't know can't. if you'd be, you, you wouldn't be able to brave the winter to, to do that though, would you, mate? Oh, I don't know. I've always wanted a big jack with a fur hood on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you mentioned like, you know, in the middle of summer, you know, you separate into sort of two teams and play a game and just have a barbecue afterwards. It's one thing that I've noticed as well is that clubs around the world will, you know, stop their training even when they're playing their regular season to play entry club games and have a bit of fun. Where it's pretty much from the start of you know, well, end of October, start of November, when most clubs in Victoria start training, and through until the end of the season, it's serious the whole time. There's none of that. Let's just have a bit of fun on a Tuesday night once a week or once a month. It's dead serious the whole time through. And it's something I think that, um, you know, I understand that, again, in Victoria, a lot of people get played, uh, get paid to play the game. But I feel like it's something that clubs could take from overseas and be like, hey, you can actually have a, a serious season and play for sheep stations like to win, but you can also have a lot of fun at training and make it better and more enjoyable for everybody else. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's a little bit, if you look at the AFL, like they're they're the most serious, but you also see that they're, they're having much more fun between the clubs and between the players than you're having it, you know, reserve grade or you know, under 19s in your in your local comps. And it's I think it's a little bit to do with the the old old heads that in you know you, you breed the hate from a young age. You know you're not supposed to be mates with the club down the road because you've always had that rivalry and. Rivalries are good, you know. We we have rivalries, but and you know the games are hard, and you know sometimes there'll be a bit of push and a shove, and maybe a fist thrown. But at the end of the day, if you're not, if especially over here, if you if you're not nice to each other, you lose players, and you're not going to be able to play anymore because you don't have a team to play against. And you know that's not the same thing, obviously. If in Victoria, there were players were always going to be there, but it it also it doesn't hurt to to be nice and. Yeah, maybe you get something out of it in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, recently, you got to have the Europe, AFL Europe Festival of Football mm-hmm. and uh, was quite a big uh, well, mate. We were jealous as anything <laughs> because we were stuck right in the middle of our lockdown reading all about this festival of football. So yeah. we, we, we couldn't even go more than 5Ks at that stage. So we were pretty jealous that you guys were getting to play. So what was that? tournament like uh, you know um so 
Where I'll start. So as part of my job in the AFL Europe Commission is also the events committee and um, work really closely with Ryan David. Well, actually, I don't do the work. He does all the work and Lily previously before she had to, to stop working. But um, I'm kind of the one of the, the people that he bought some ideas with. And <clears throat> um, considering, you know, the Champions League was cancelled and, and Euro Cup was cancelled and all these things, we, we say, okay, well, what do we... We still need to do something for the community. We, we can't just sit here as AFL Europe and, and say, oh, well, COVID ruined everything and, and cry about it kind of thing. So we... we um, Ryan came up with the idea about a festival of footy and, and this kind of built a little bit on the back of... Um, some ideas that the communities had previously about um, because of the distance between between the countries and some some countries have a, uh, you know, don't have the the financial backing of, of the larger companies to, to play footy we've kind of said maybe we should focus more a little bit in the regions once a year on the same weekend across the whole whole continent that <clears throat> the national teams play a small tournament you know, so with the with the teams or the countries in their area, just to make give them an opportunity to to play, um, not not a large travel kind of distance. And building on top of that, we said, okay, well, okay, one weekend of footy, it's something we can all get behind. And the NAB um, were really into the idea about about sponsoring this tournament of footy, which is fantastic. And and then they've been a very good sponsor of AFL Europe through the years. And and we say, okay, well, how do we do it? How do we do it? Do we say that we want to, you know, within a four-week period, we want to run to, to play a game? Or do we say that this is the weekend and that's it? And, and how do we motivate them to want to do it? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work organising a tournament in the country. So Ryan was able to put together a package that we sent out to it. <clears throat> to all the countries with, you know, umpire shirts and a team of tournament jumper and medals and some footies and, um, you know, a bit of a, a carrot to, for these countries to to get together. And, and there were quite a lot of countries that said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll jump on the date, we, 26th of, um, of September or whatever, I think it was, or 20-something. And, um, yeah, and, and then everyone played a tournament unfortunately I um I got a little bit sick so I was I was quarantined um and couldn't couldn't play I've been looking forward to this you know as part of part of the organizational team and and um with our club we'd, we'd rented a bus and we're traveling down with both the men's and women's team to Malmo um you know at, oh, the last second I had to pull out because I didn't want to infect potentially infect anyone um, on the bus and, and let alone at the festival. So, um, but from all accounts, it was a fantastic day with men's and women's footy here in, in Sweden, at least, um, hearing back from the other countries that participated. And, you know, it was everything from two teams playing one game to, to multiple teams playing multiple games. Um, so it was a fantastic um, event across across the across the continent, which got a lot of coverage over here, at least um, in our communities. And um, you know, it's something definitely something I think we we can build on in the future to to encourage more more um, of that style of football, that type of football. Yeah, it was um, like like I said, we were jealous reading about it. It's a shame you didn't get to go to it yourself. Um, so we 
Well, you're all clear. You didn't have COVID. Just, yeah, just no, a cold. No, just, just yeah, my um, my daughter's 13 months old, and we'd, we'd been down to to a um, like an open preschool thing where they you can just drop in and play. And she picked up a cold. She was over it after a day, but it, for me, it took a few more weeks. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it was just in the wrong time. So, nah, unlucky, unlucky. But yeah. uh, mate, I think next year. If you do the same festival football, we might have to get involved ourselves and and do a day at our yeah. club this the same the same weekend and and you know let's yeah, try definitely. and try and get something else going. We'll maybe work yeah. it out with a club and get them down to play us for a, a, a honorary as our honorary <laughs> European footballers <laughs> or something. Yeah, we get the we get the big Russian down to be the uh, yeah. spokesman for the day. <laughs> the Russian that's from Cyprian. The Cyprian, the South African, but uh, anyway. Um, all right, mate, it's time for a dog's favorite party. No, 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 mate, we've got one no, more no, question the, first. No, no, don't remember that one. It's time mate, to throw I some finally, team I, I finally sent the question to somebody in advance. <laughs> it's the first time I've sent the question to someone in advance. All right, go on, go on. Okay, so if you could go back in time and attend any sporting event, what would it be? Uh, I was, I've been thinking about this one for quite a while. <laughs> But um, similar to picking a best player, I'm, I'm, I've trouble picking out this one one thing. Um, one that kind of springs to mind is um, the Wallabies back when I can't even imagine, remember what what um, yeah back when they were good, good. what the game was or if it was a Bledisloe Cup or whatever. But I remember I think it was John Eels if he. He kicked the field. Someone kicked the field and they won the game, and it was like the biggest thing. I was only real quite small, and that for me was something that stuck in my mind. Um, that would have been a fantastic thing to be at. Um, but you know, also seeing these grand finals now in the later days in the AFL grand finals and the the packed MCG. You know, any grand final would have been fantastic to attend. Um, or no, I don't know. I've it's tough. I, I can't pick one thing. I'm I'm sport mad, so I, you know, it could be a everything from a Formula One race um, to a bloody table tennis match. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's too many too many moments to pick from. No, Usain right. Bolt winning the world record hundred meters in oh, any. Oh, it's too hard. Yeah. So what about what about you? Like, what have you guys picked throughout? Oh, what did I end up? I went with something and then I changed my mind on it. Uh, he went to he went with uh going to see Melbourne Victory beat I went with, I went with an event that I was actually already at. He was already I, at it, so he just I wanted went to go to back it. to I it. I wanted to go back and relive it. And then I changed I it, it to there's something else I changed. I don't remember. I, don't know. I, I went with the rumble in the jungle. Mm. So I went, you know, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, you know. Oh. And he's oh, like, no. Oh, I just want to go to the soccer game I already been to. So. <laughs> it's a fucking great way, Kev, mate. <laughs> Would have been cool to watch the um, was it the conference finals in the NBA with Toronto and Philly last year when mm. Kawhi dropped that? Yeah, that would have been pretty intense. I'm pretty sure we had someone that said that was what they yeah, would have old, wanted to go back to. We spoke mm. to a Canadian club a couple of weeks ago, and that was he said yeah. he wish he wishes he was there for that. Um, yeah, he said uh, the party in Toronto after that win was uh, pretty hectic. 
Um, all right, but now it's time to throw your teammates under the bus. And I know you've said a lot of nice things about how great the community <laughs> is and stuff, but no sitting on the fence here. We want some people thrown directly under the bus. So. Yes. <laughs> all right, who you got first, Eto? What do you got first? So who at the Dockers would be the class clown of the club? Um, <clears throat> it'd probably be um, a little bit of a tie between myself and... Um, and Buster, the Buster. the guy that, that cut down the, the trees. <laughs> so he's been he um he's been playing since he was sixteen in the in the team and and he's been down in Australia and played in a, a, oh, I don't know how many clubs he was around and played for. He did his tour around Australia. He's been up to Darwin and South Australia and <clears throat> Sydney and but he's a pretty pretty packed practical joker and a. Um, sometimes takes it a bit too far. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. How about the party animal? Um, also him. <laughs> um, but also uh, Albert, one of the founders and probably the oldest or next oldest in the team. Uh, doesn't play anymore. He's the coach of the women's team. But he, I met him when I was working in the nightclub and he... I've never seen a guy drink so much and never get hung over. And everything, he was the guy that that made sure that our board meetings were in a jacuzzi with beers. He, you know, always, always up for a party, no matter what, when, how, or where. It's like, okay, where are the beers? Where, what are we doing? Where are we going out? Hey, we're doing our committee meetings wrong. Yeah, we've got one Wednesday, mate. Best we get that shit sorted. Yeah, jacuzzi and beers. <laughs> we, we make sure we've got beers. We we make sure there's always beers at the committee. I think we had a meeting one day and someone had just joined the committee and they're just like, oh, so like, can I have a beer? And we're just like, mate, when we have committee meetings, the beer's on the club. Like, yeah, that's why I joined the committee that's was for the free for. beer at the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> it was, he, he was like, oh, am I allowed to have a, have a beer? I was like, yes. You are like, why would you join a committee if you can't drink? We're just gonna have to get a jacuzzi installed mm. at the club, so we can. You know, we did win yeah. five grand, mate. So you know, you can. <laughs> you can have have it in a good spot, and you can hire it out as a VIP on the <clears throat> on the Sunday afternoons. Yeah, nice. and then we can charge blokes on Sunday for recovery. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Money making Come. machine right there, Rift. Oh, ideas. All right. <laughs> All right. Who's the who's the person that takes the game far too serious? <laughs> i am atrocious i scream i abuse the umpire i i am disgusting on the field um but yeah um that's just i'm, I'm a competitive person i've been so all my life and um it's kind of yeah got me into trouble a few times um, but I've started like there's a few guys are starting to to take after, well, not take after, but catch up. Um, we have a, a young Afghani guy that, that plays, and um, you know, is, if if he accidentally gets kind of pushed over or tripped or whatever, he's up throwing hands and um, you know against the biggest guy on the on the opposition team. So I think Farad's probably yeah, the next after me at least. He's taken it very serious. That's all right. We've uh, most we've had plenty of blokes that have had to throw themselves under the bus for that one. So you're not the yeah. first, um, <laughs> and it's it's almost 
exclusively Aussies over in other countries that have to put their hand up yeah. for that one. Yeah. Um, all right, who's the one person you wouldn't want to have to share a room with on a trip away? Hmm. Um, either someone that snores or someone that smells. And if there's a combination of those two, then um, someone that farts a lot. You don't want any sleepwalkers either. No, pretty. I don't have many of them on the team. Um, and the practical, like, I almost have to say maybe Buster again because the practical joke, you know, if you if you manage to fall asleep before him, then you're in trouble. Um, and then Martinez, the president, he snores a lot, and I've had to room with him a few times. Um, or one of the actually the Aussie guys now, he's he's based in Hong Kong now, but he played for us for quite a few years, a few years. Maddie, he's a um, yeah, I sleep with one eye open with him in the room, so. <laughs> Maybe have to say him. Shorter. Sounds like only half the club you wouldn't want to room with. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. have too many trips away, so you get to experience all these things. <laughs> That's a very good point. How about a nickname? Do you guys have nicknames at the club? And if so, what's the best one? Um, we do, but they're not exclusively used. Um, more so in the kind of the group chat. Um, Martinez, who I mentioned earlier, the president, he's from Lithuania and quite a hard-nosed uh, president. So we call him Trump at the moment. Um, <laughs> uh, Buster also mentioned he's, we call him Elephantitis. He's got a big, uh, big pair of shoes. Um, we, one of the guys is called the priest. I'm not really sure why. If he... Oh, jeez. <laughs> We have to get the police reports done for the kids. <laughs> um, and the, also far that I alluded to the Afghan, we call him Chaser because he chases chases around the younger, or from the youngest, but the girls around when we when we go out. So um, there's a few, a few a few names floating around, but it's mostly in the group chat when we when we um, slag each other off. That's um, what, what group chats are for, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I don't think I don't think there's many positive things that come out of our group chat, Tristy. We're in a couple, and it's majority of times just blokes there giving each other shit. There's yeah. there's positive group chats. No, <laughs> no fair call. <laughs> positive, positive for the club culture. Yeah. Well, one of our group chats, we we called keep nicknaming each other or something. Keep because we just kept changing each other's nicknames all the time on there. So it was just, yeah, nicknames. Yeah, it was the NFL chat, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Any time find... there was a change in our NFL team or whatever, you'd gain a new nickname or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you sit there and you try and like, you'll pop up, you know, such and such says this and you're like, okay, who, who is that? What who did they that? say? <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, and this person said whatever, you go, you're like, Okay, they've changed his nickname again. Bloody hell! Like, especially you when you have it on mute, you're like, yeah. <laughs> and when you've got people in that in the group that you don't really know what their group, their profile picture is, it makes it even worse. <laughs> Just lucky that now you're like, oh, I can tell you whose profile picture is what by the tiniest little dot on Messenger because of that reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate! Uh, thanks, Ed, for joining us on your uh, Saturday morning. We'll let you go have some brunch or lunch whatever it's time yep. for now thanks for having um, me we do appreciate you taking the time um we'll 
make sure everyone goes along and checks out your Facebook page. But do you have a Instagram and stuff, Twitter or anything else as well? Uh, yeah, Instagram. Um, Nortelia Dockers, I think it's called there. Um, and uh, we're not extremely good at at updating um, <laughs> social media pipes, but uh, we try. And when we when we remember, we do it. You know, a few posts in a row, and then we forget again. So um, yeah, Nortelia Dockers. Now it's backwards, of course, but yeah, no, that's all good. We'll uh, get yeah, to follow. Make sure everyone goes and follows along with Nor Nortelia, but it's with an A. Um, an A with two dots, whatever that actually is. <laughs> A with two dots. A with two dots. Um, but yeah, thanks again for joining us, mate. All the best for uh, next season or, you know, whenever you're able to get out and start playing some footy again. Um, yeah, thanks heaps for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. And um, good luck yourselves. And, and um, yeah, go the Cobras, Aaron. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, so, yeah. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.